our Father and our God, you are truly the pillar that holds our life. The many pillars you saw in our lives, the many areas of dependency we have in our lives, the many things you saw that we have depended on for living daily, many of them, Lord, we ask that you dislodge them in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, as you have prayed and is our desire throughout this year, dislodge every of those pillars in the name of Jesus. Is I have desire, O God, that we will anchor only on you. Our souls will anchor only on you. The shepherd, the great bishop of our soul, and you who uphold all things, who are the pillar of all things, and you use the word of your power. May this word veritably represent you holding us as a pillar in the name of Jesus. May you hold us to your word. May you hold us to your standard. May you hold us to living daily to glorify you and fulfill our potentials to live above the world. May the word of your power which you uphold as a pillar also hold our lives in the name of Jesus. Thank you. As you grant us an attitude and grant us a consistent habit to not only go to your word to receive instruction, to receive guidance, to truly think and act in accordance with your word. And let the revelation from your word hold our lives every day, in every situation, in every life affair. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Father, as you so hear us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. And let everyone say Amen. This morning, we go on a series of making the most of your personal Bible study. We'll take today, and we'll take next Sunday. But the essence is that we can't talk about living by every word of God. And we still pay lip service to it. So whatever will help you and I, to be able to actualize, to truly make a practice of living by the word. We will do it, God helping us in Jesus' name. And what we're talking about this morning is how you as a person, person, not just a family quiet time now, not the one perhaps who use the daily guide or the daily bread or the daily word. There are so many of them which are guides, but how you as a person, on your own, because you have decided to live and be guided by the world, can make a habit, it won't just be talking, of getting to the word of God and receiving guidance and receiving instruction and being led continually through them. That's what God is leading us to today and for next week. And we pray the Lord Almighty that this will come to happen in our lives in Jesus' name. So when we talk about your personal Bible study, we are really talking about a systematic study of the Scripture. Systematic. It's not a haphazard thing. It's not a jump in and jump out. It's not because they are searching for a word they are suddenly going to use to give an exhortation somewhere. 
It's not because you are going to lead the prayer session and therefore you look for one or two verses that can aid and facilitate the prayer. Systematic, something that is ordered, a methodical way of studying the scriptures by yourself. Most importantly for what? Personal edification. For building up yourself. Building up yourself. Everything that we are talking about Christian life and living and study is yourself first. Bringing the Christ likeness. Then you can reach out to others. Acts chapter 1 verse 1. Luke would say, I'm writing to you most excellent Theophilus. To bring you to understand all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Yourself. Myself. In a passage we will soon meet here, Ezra prepared his heart to study the law. One. To do it. And thirdly, to do what? Teach it. So it's for yourself first. Build you up. Personal edification. Bring you in line with that pillar that holds your life. With its precepts, with its standards. And the more you do that, the more the world leaves you. The more other pillars around you crumble. The more the person you can easily reach for connection. The more the thought of where you can shortcut the system. Begin to crumble. Because you are building on this pillar. So it's for personal edification and equipping. And to now make you serve God. And live comprehensively. Every area of your life. Many times, many of us live our lives in compartments. When you are coming to church, you live a life that behooves somebody who should be seen to be churchy. Put on a dress that looks decent, looks modest, behave in a certain mannerism. When you are going to the market, live a life that shows those who are like the Otimbus and the Abobis. When you are traveling on a journey, live a life that says, your passenger, Anything you see on the way. We compartmentalize our lives that way. But we are talking about living your life as a whole. It becomes a habit. It flows in and remains. So a systematic way we can study the scripture to make us do, live that way, and to make it reflect in the rest of our life. And to make us truly now be able to be guided by the scripture. Not on what people call a knee-jerk reaction. You know what knee-jerk is. There are people who their reflexes are so very, very fast. Before you know it, the knee is jumping on its own. It's just reacting to situations the way you see. This one is a lifestyle. And I pray the Lord to help us so do in the name of Jesus Christ. By way of still making this clear, we are saying that in this series today, and God helping us coming Sunday, we want to be able to acquire some skill, 
or remind ourselves of some areas of skill that help us to know, to study, to apply the scriptures for our complete living, not just existing from day to day, not just waking with the day and going with the night. That's the way that animals live. They live or they merely exist. They wake with the morning, they sleep with the night because darkness has come upon them. If the night were to be shorter or the day were to be longer, they will still continue with the sunlight until darkness comes. No initiative, no other area of potential being shown. That's not the way God made you and I. And that's why in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, can somebody read that for us please? You want to so know, study, meditate and apply the scriptures for Complete living. Every area. Every area of your life. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Can somebody read that for us please? Hallelujah. The law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. For then you will make your way what? Prosperous. And then you will have what? Good success. Does anybody have Living Bible? We take Living Bible. We take Amplified. Or the Message. Any of those more recent translations. Yes please. Constantly remind the people. About these laws. And you yourself must think about them every day. You yourself must think about them. Every day and every night. So that you will be sure to obey all of them. For only then will you succeed. For only then will you do what? Succeed in every area. It's not just in spiritual life. For only then will you have a lasting success. It means that before then, you may have limited what? Success. And it's true. You see people who are suddenly in wealth, they are the toast of the town, and every road leads to them, and you don't know how they got into their success. Give them a couple of years, what happens? Everything seems to have disappeared. Kerizin success. Tapu tapu. And then it all goes. And then it's like that in many of the times of our Christian life, You suddenly get excited in a certain area of Christian life. You leave it for a while. And after a while, the excitement dies away. You see, there's a consistency of application. In a way you will live, you will succeed. King James says you will make what? Good success. There are many kinds of successes. There are bad successes. Somebody who kills a fellow human being to make money is successful. But it's what? Bad success. Somebody who shares blood in order to get and shoot himself to power and positions of authority seemingly has succeeded. But that's a bad success. A student who has used microchips or people who have sorted out themselves, those who engage in all kinds of malpractice may suddenly see an A written for them as their result. They seem to have succeeded, but as what? Bad success. 
A number of ladies and sometimes men now who stand by the streets seem to be the supporters of their families by making money overnight, by trading their bodies for money and sometimes dollars. If it's in Abuja, they are paid in dollars. And they say, I'm the one supporting my family, supporting my siblings in school. We are building a house in our village. It all depends on me. They seem to have succeeded, but it success through a bad route. And so God is talking about a success without spot. The one that we are told in Daniel, that they looked for every way to puncture his testimony, his seeming increasing profile, in the workplace, and they could find none. And they said, the only way to pin him down is let us go to where his pillar is. Let's take him to the world, to his God. And even then, he remained a success. May that be you and I in the name of Jesus. Has anybody got amplified uh, the message? But we have got the point we are making here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The message. And don't for a minute let this book of Revelation be out of mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night. Make sure you practice everything written in it. Then you will get where you are going. Then you will succeed. Praise the Lord. Then you will get where you are. And it is in every area of life. It's for comprehensive life application. That's what we want to ask God to help us do. But it says how that can happen is that you will observe. You will not only not allow this book of the law not to depart out of your mouth. It will be your meditation in the day. It will be your meditation at night. Constancy, consistency, a habit, it forms as a lifestyle. And as you do it, again, like we said, for personal edification and equipping. As you do so, what will happen? You observe to do. Jesus began to do and to teach. Ezra studied the law to do and then to teach. Do. The more of the word of God that comes into you, the more it moves you into a Christ-like image more and more. Do you have raw edges? Do you find yourself with coarse speech? Do you find yourself unable to just get away from foul language? And a good number of habits that seem to latch on you. And you say, don't worry, it's my besetting sin. No, that's wrong. Because there's nothing like the certain sin once the Spirit of Jesus has done what? Encountered you. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So that same power that removes your old life, the power to control you, is able to take away the besetting sin. Why it still remains is because you have not allowed the word to constantly come in. We read Ephesians 5.26 a while, some time ago, but it says that you might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of the water by the word. 
the more the word of God is constantly applying to your life, is a spiritual power first. It is also a cleansing agent too. Three, out of the abundance of the heart and out of the abundance of the mouth, the mouth will speak. So it fills you and recycles out your old nature. That's why Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 21-22 we say, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You have not so learned Christ. When you come into Christ, and the word of God counters you, it begins to recycle out things that are not in line with God's word and becomes the pillar by which you now live. And that is why it is possible for you to now agree with the psalmist that your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. What is now included in my heart controls my life, my thought is the word of God. So the tendency for sin to have found a vessel, a receptacle, has been pushed away because a greater force is in place. I pray that you and I we see that need and not let it go in the name of Jesus Christ. So, we understand in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Can somebody give us a reading from NIV and another person from perhaps a more recent translation of Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy or scripture, or scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Prophet. Prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men got what they were speaking. Men got what they wrote as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Prophecy can be, as I'm speaking now, preaching, foretelling, speaking the mind of God. And if I'm sufficiently in tune with the Spirit of God, and I have prayed and asked the Spirit of God to lead me, the words I speak are given to me from God as gotten and propelled by the Holy Spirit. And they are able to get to your life and you say, did somebody tell him about me? Why is he challenging me this way? Why is this what pricking my heart in this particular manner? Reason is that God who knows your need and your level of uh, want and where your problem is has given his word by the Holy Spirit, the human agent, and he's the one foretelling. Prophecy can also come just by inspiration, as you have heard this morning. None of the people who usually have the gift of prophecy has prepared their mind. This is what I'm going to say when I get to church this morning. Anybody who usually does that, you will know, because you judge the prophecy. You know. There are people who have come and they say they were prophets. 
and they came to preach in crusades in churches. And they will point at people and say, look, you, the Lord says there are armed robbers going to get at you this year. Armed robbers will get at you. You will need to see me after this program. And then, no prophecy of God intimidates. No prophecy of God brings fear. And like we heard in First Corinthians 14, every prophecy brings what? Edification. It will bring what? Exhortation. It will tell you you are going wrong here. Yeah, this is where you are getting it wrong. And it will bring what? Comfort. So even when it rebukes you, it will point the way out. But it doesn't leave you with a sense of foreboding, a sense of fear, a sense of cringing, a sense of never wanting to leave the church that day because armed robbers will visit you this year and you never know the year. And then, of course, at the end of that program, as I saw the so-called prophet who has prophesied, he said, look, bring 50,000 so that we can pray. And then look for any of your friends who is a medical doctor and let him also bring 50,000 so that we can pray together. Of course, you know that that's not the prophecy. Somebody has made up his mind, ab initio, this is what I want to get. So even the people who have the gift of prophecy never really know whether they are going to utter thought on that service or not. It's as the Spirit of God moves. And sometimes they are giving no message, so service will not get any from them. And many of the times, when they have the inspiration, then they utter thought. And if you ask them a minute before they speak, they will know what they are going to speak. And then maybe when they finish and you are able to note it down, and you tell them this is what you say, so I didn't know. The Spirit was just using them as what? A conduit is the same thing with the word of God. He said, none of this scripture came because the men made up their mind on what they would write. But holy men of God, moved by the Holy Spirit, wrote as they were instructed. And that's why it's possible for over 40 different people to write this scripture and Different and varying backgrounds. Some were people who were shepherds. David was one. Amos was one. Some of them were farmers. Elijah, Elisha were farmers. Some of them were poets, philosophers. Solomon was one. Some of them were illiterate fishermen, Abinisha, Peter, John, we are amongst them. You can remember the encounter in the council, and people said, which theological school have they been to? That they are able to reason boldly with us this way, and to stand and defend their faith. And somebody just said, don't you know they have been with Jesus? And the scripture noted there, for they were ignorant and unlettered men. But yet, when the Holy Spirit gave them the message, they could now speak, and they will be consistent from Genesis to Revelation. No scripture will contradict another. Even the ones that seem to be so, when you look at them clearly, you will see that they are only explaining the other. And when Jesus came, he said, even now I have come in the period of grace, where you don't need to live by do this, don't do this. I have come to fulfill the law. I've come in the age of, Lord, of grace. Moses gave you the law. 
but I have come to fulfill the spirit of what? The law. If the law told you, thou shalt not care. I therefore tell you, that if you already look at somebody with an intent and curse somebody and say, Raka, you have already killed the person and killed the spirits. If the Lord says you shall not lust or covet, and you have not done a physical act manifesting and lusting, but you have already arranged it in your thought and heart. You have already done what? Committed lust. And that's why he now said, all I came to do is to establish a higher principle of living. And that's why he said in Matthew 5.20, except your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not in any way also enter the kingdom. So he says, if holy men read the scripture, then you now read the scripture in the life of somebody who has the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. The moment you give your life to Christ. Ephesians 1, 13, 14. Can somebody read that for us? It says that a deposit of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit who empowered men and women to write the scripture. The same Spirit who knows the mind of God. The same Spirit is the one he now asks to come and make a dwelling inside of you. So you can now, once you are in that same frequency, be able to receive. Ephesians 1, 13, 14. Has anybody found it? And you also, we are included in Christ when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Thank you. So the moment you accepted Jesus into your life, and asked him to come in and be your Lord and your Savior. Something happened. Praise the Lord. A deposit of the Holy Spirit was given you. You remember Saul told Samuel, Now you have encountered me. First Samuel 10. As you leave, the power of God, the Spirit of God shall come upon you. And you shall be a different man. First Samuel 10.6 Whatsoever the Spirit now bids you do, do what? Do it. And the moment Saul came out, his old nature, his old uh, inclination changed. And what do you see Saul doing? Prophesying with the prophets. To the extent that people say, look, I thought that was Saul, the son of Kish. I thought that was the one who used to revel with us in our old lifestyle. The way we drank, the way we made class jokes, the way we just put out one another. I thought that was the soul in his old nature. Somebody said, no, a change has come. Is Saul now among the prophets? What has happened to him? He said, they are asking, is he among the prophets? Who is their leader now? He's not only among them, he is now one of their leaders. A radical change. Praise the Lord. 
That's what ought to take place in our lives. So as we go to the scripture, we also go with that mind that this scripture is authored by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, because it's authored by the Holy Spirit, it's able to make impact in you. It's also able to make impact in others. And so, you approach the scripture, realizing the need for him who wrote it, to also interpret it to you. Beside us here is solid FM. Am I right? It's our nearest neighbor, so to say, just across the road here. Am I right? Do you know the frequency at which they broadcast? What is it? Pardon? 100.9 frequency, FM. But are we hearing them now? Are you hearing them loud and clear now? But they are broadcasting at this minute, am I right? The fact that you are not hearing them does not mean they are not broadcasting, is that not so? They are speaking. They are disseminating. They are pouring a lot of ideas into the airwaves. But the moment somebody with a gadget suddenly tools to 100.9 FM, the sound will come on here. Am I right? It's the same thing with the scripture. The Spirit of God has written the scripture and has a particular message to pass on that can change an area of your life, impact you, guide you, give you the decision you are looking for at that period. Give you a mindset, give you the peace. Make you say this matter is settled. But if you have not sufficiently come with the realization that here is the change that I'm looking for that can make an impact in me, you will be speaking, but it will be hidden from you. There will be a block. The frequency you are not getting because you haven't tuned yourself to the same frequency. That's why many of the times we can go to the scripture we can cram it, but it makes no difference. It doesn't make an impact. So we have to realize that being an issue. As we go to study the scripture and as we live our life, the hearing are embedded every area of our lives, not gets for success and forgetting where you ought to, to make your way prosperous. And friends, let us get away the mindset that says, look, it's only a spiritual area. No. Examples abound. We'll share the number of them. Of how in every area of life, your profession, architecture, mathematics, exam, promotion in the place of work, getting an assignment done on time, how to relate with somebody. People have been guided to the minute, to the last second, from the scripture. And it just came to pass as it took up that word of scripture and acted on it. You're going to be a board meeting. He said, I don't want to tell a lie on this. I know they're going to ask a question. God, what do I do? I didn't do it on my own. Somebody gave the instruction. And I don't want to just suddenly put somebody in the light, as it were. And as you're reading here, the scripture for that morning can just give you wisdom and inspiration. And give you a word that as you get there, you haven't implicated anybody, but you have not told any lie. But you have also agreed that there's an anomaly. Those can be found from here. The wisdom that comes from it. So, if you don't have that mindset and you go here, just getting in again, you may just see the scripture waiting to give you the guidance for the day, but you are not in the frequency to receive. So, as you realize that holy men moved by the Holy Spirit of God, roots as they were led, 
And that you need to also already align yourself with the Spirit of God in you. Each time there's a decision to make, there are a number of thoughts, different options going on in your heart. Some of them are the ones that the Spirit of God is saying, this is the better way. He has washed you down. Has really talked down on you. He has made you look like nothing. Give him a piece of your mind. Another one will say, well, puncture every of those arguments. Another one will say, assert yourself. It's not because you're a Christian that they should just talk anyhow to you. And another one will simply say, don't say anything. Your silence will be more golden than if you spoke anything. And one of them will be the one that the Spirit of God is giving you. It's the choice you make, the way you are composed to hear Him, that will eventually result in the action that you will take. That's what the Scripture helps to do for us. And we need to enter with that mindset. We need to also remember that successful and effective study of the Scriptures does not end in the head. That's what we've been doing most of our lives. For those of us who did religious knowledge in primary, in secondary, sometimes even in tertiary level, that's where we've been ending. Sometimes it usually starts at Sunday school. In order to help us recite and memorize scriptures, if you're able to recite them well and recite flawlessly, you are giving prizes. Is that not so? With that mindset, you now grew up just storing them here. And making every effort and uh, patting yourself, if not on the back, where else can you pat yourself? On the chest and beating your chest and say, I've tried. I know this scripture of head now. Yes, I know it of head. But it remains of head and no more than that. That's not the purpose of the scripture. A lawyer can quote so many of those things when you see them quoting the constitution, but they need to apply. So the effect the result, the outcome, the reason why you are studying, it's not just so you will have a lot of facts here. The greatest goal of studying the scripture is that it may produce a change in you in accordance with what God wants in your life. Ezra 7.10. Please read it for us. And somebody else will read for us First Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 13. And those will be explanatory enough. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching his decrees and laws in Israel. Ezra had devoted himself to what? The study and the observance of the law. And to now do what? Teaching it in Israel. Ezra had prepared his heart to study, to do attitudinal change. Change you. Let it be experienced in your life. And what will make impact in other people's life from you is what has made impact in your life. When you have had the occasion to share, or to admonish, or to also talk to other people, the areas of what you say that make the most impact to them are the ones that have made impact where? 
in you, particularly when they have molded you. That's the greatest goal. So you are not studying and seeing a mirror of another person. James 1 says that this book is like a mirror of which when a man goes there, he sees his face, how he looks. If when he finishes looking at the mirror now, and the moment he turns away, he forgets how he looked. If his hair was uncombed, has looking at the mirror made any change to him as he goes out that way? If he was buttoning and found out that one side of the lapel of his shirt was higher than the other, looking at the mirror will help him do what? Adjust it. But if he suddenly forgot what he saw, he will walk into the outer world that way, exactly the same way, no impact. So that's what the word of God does. It gives you the mirror into your life. This area is still not what God wants. It can come up. And as you walk on that to do, the attitude changes. And then you can be more like what God wants you to do and produce the result that way. And people can now say, these are Christians because they are little Christ. They live like their master, Jesus Christ. And so, there's no gain saying the fact that the scripture needs to make an impact in us. A change. That's the heart. That's the attitude with which you go. Has somebody found First Thessalonians 2.13? Therefore, we never stopped thanking God. And when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God. Which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. This word continues to do what? Work in you. Bring a change in you. Bring the results in you who believe. If you don't believe, if you have not accepted Jesus, the word of God pours condemnation on you that you switch off. But if you are here this morning and it is that state with you. No. All he's asking is to point out the areas of your life where you now need to run to him, the pillar, and surrender yourself. And I pray that that happens with you in Jesus' name. So he says, when you accepted the word, you did it eagerly, not as a word of man, and you started sizing up the person who was speaking, if he was a preaching era, or you started sizing up who was Paul, by the way. What was his mannerism? What was he? He was just an ordinary tent maker. He said, no, your mindset was accepting it as the very word of God. That's the attitude of entry. And the moment he did that, it began to effectually work, produce results, make change, make an impact in you. And that's the ultimate of what the word of God does in our lives and produces a likeness of him. And the more he does that, then your mindset and that of Jesus become the same. And the Bible will say you have a mind of Christ. And that is easier to get done and to give God the glory in Jesus' name. You can only be as great, as effective, as productive, as the level of the word of God in you. The word of God is usually the raw material that you need once you believe. First Peter 2.2 2, Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may do what? 
grow. What makes a Christian grow in maturity? What makes you, even though you may have just encountered Jesus three months ago, surrender to him? I didn't say you started going to church three months ago. You may have been going to church since your mother born me. Am I right? But at a point in time, he hits you that I'm still a sinner. I'm still in my old lifestyle. And therefore, I need a change. And you beckoned on Jesus who had been there waiting all the time and say, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and my past. Write my name in the book of life. What makes that happen? As you now give your life to Christ. The Bible, like we've read in Ephesians 1, deposits the Holy Spirit in you. And with the Holy Spirit in you, you are now able to live above the level of any normal human being. Where sin pleads with you. And where you just respond in a knee-jerk manner, like we said, like any other person. You have a controlling influence now. And the Word of God can now come in and become more real to you. And produce much more a change in you more easily. So according to the amount and the level of the Word of God in you, that's how you can now mature, grow as a Christian. So you could have given your life to Christ just three months ago, but your level of reasoning, your level of work, the way you respond to life issues, and you relate to people on challenges of the day, is much more godly. Much more in line with the word of God. Much more as if to say God himself was the one bringing the answers. That people would look again and wonder and say, where school did they go to? And they say, look, he's only given his life to Christ three months ago. What's the secret? He has continually desired the word of God. It can only be as mature. It can only be as effective and productive. Consistently productive. In life, practical now, not just spiritual areas, as the level of the Word of God in you. If you are working in an office with a lot of challenges, if you are working or you are a student having to deal with interpersonal relationship, emotional problems, is the Word of God that is stored in you. That when challenges, when temptations, when things that can easily pull somebody off handle and make you say a careless word, or suddenly just get it wrong. Come. When the enemy shall come in like a flood. is the word of God that has been stored in there. That the Bible says the spirit of God will lift up what? A standard. The spirit of God cannot walk with an emptiness. There's nothing to lift up. You may have been a Christian born again for five years. But the word of God's store capacity in your life is very scanty. There's nothing to work with. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ, not the word of man, not the world of science, not the world of their profession, they have their places. But it says, Let the word of Christ dwell so richly in you, in all wisdom. When you open your mouth, gracious words will come out. Words that are seasoned like salt. Ministering songs, hymns, and the appropriateness for his situation. When he's scanty, you're still on count. You're still cross. You're still like any other person. So, 
you can only be as effective as the level of the word of God that is in you. That's why Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 we say, study, study, study to show yourself approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed, knowing how to rightly apply the word of God. Study does it. And what do you study? The word of God. And it covers every other area of your life. Can someone read First Peter chapter 3 verse 15 for us? But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be ready to do what? To give an answer to everyone. And let me add a more practical one. To everyone and to every situation that asks you who are you. That asks you the reason for why you are acting differently. That asks you the reason for why you shall not have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. That asks you the reason for why 10% is wrong. You know, when you get it, you go and give a hefty tithe in the church. At the end, God benefits. But you have an answer to everyone, to every situation. And friends, every single day you live, spiritual forces, the world around you are asking you questions of who you are. And of what you believe. I hope you know that. When we are not conscious of that. That's why we live anyhow. That's why we have many confessions to make. That's why we come to church. And God is saying there are pretenses. False lies. Because you've acted unguardedly. You've spoken just out of point. Because you are not conscious of who you are. The word of God has not been readily stuck in there. And for each of the occasions you own. The word of God is asking you who you are. And because we are just preparing the ground, and that's what today is, a number of times, if you go to First Kings chapter 2, we will not read it, but I will just shorten what the point is. The Bible says that when Elijah was about to leave Elisha, Elijah tried everything to know the level of determination of Elisha. And he says, stay here. I'm going to Gilgal. And Elisha will say, as long as the Lord lives, wherever you go, there am I following. And he did it two, three times. And he found that he was very persuaded. He had made up his mind. and must get what he's asking for. Before then, Elijah has said, what will I leave with you? I'm about to go. He said, I want a double portion of your anointing. I'm not sure Elijah told, Elijah told him the processes. All he said is, well, it's difficult. If you see me being taken up, then you may have it. And by telling him, stay here, obviously Elijah may have been taken up in any of the other directions. Is that not so? Elijah will see him, and then his expectation would never have been met. So Elijah said, okay, if it takes going with you everywhere, it is labor, it is effort, it is exercise on myself. It's more convenient to my body to just stay here and wait till when you say you will come. 
But Elijah did not own himself. He who says he will be taken away did not tell him when and how he will be taken away. And Elisha said, no, I had better pay the price. And go with him. And at points, those who knew better than Elisha, or so they assumed, the school of prophets, they say, we have seen into the spirit. Do you know? The Lord will take your master away from you today. It's a special revelation. Come and see me for that. They didn't add that. But if you try in ideas, you can be sure that's what they are. You need special prayers. And therefore, you must come so we can offer more prayers. And something always goes with offering more prayers. And some of us will easily also just go along until you know that this one has just for one ninety again. Do you know? And they wanted to assert their superiority. Elisha will say, hold your peace. I'm on a mission. They are telling him, we know better than you. We have known something that we don't know whether you know. Better listen to us again. That will delay him from following who? Elijah. And at least they assumed that they were in a higher spiritual plane than him. The Bible told us in Second Kings chapter 2 verse 9. That the moment they saw Elisha coming from a distance. After the mantle had Falling on him. Elisha did not lift a hand. Elisha had no signboard. The mantle has fallen now. Elisha didn't say, I'm put on the A wave. Clear the way. The double anointing man is around. None of such. The same Elisha. But because they had already seen in the spirit and they were seen in the spirit. They said, that's Elisha. That's Elisha. But a different one. The spirit of Elijah has also done what? Come upon him. They have seen into the spirit. He had persevered. And the Bible says in Second Kings chapter 2 verse 15. That the moment Elisha now crossed the Jordan and came to their side. They saw him. They saw the greater weight of anointing on him. And they did what? They bowed. Take note of that passage. Usually, you bow to your superior. You bow to greater authority. You bow out of respect. Somebody may still be younger than you. Somebody may have some other things. But out of respect, you bow. They have seen into the spirit. And they have seen now. Elisha didn't tell them. Elisha didn't seize a microphone. He had no banner. But they had looked into the spirit compared to who they saw before. And saw that the spirit here was now greater than theirs. And they had no other arguments. They had no new revelation to give him. What did they simply do? About situations in our life every day. As a student, as a husband, as a worker, as a manager, as somebody engaged in business, asking you, who are you? Who are you, Karen? Who is in you? And if you realize in First John 4, 4, that he who is in you is what? Greater. And you are able to live that way by reason of the word of God that gives an answer to them by who you are and what you have taught in. They will do what? Bow. Praise the Lord. That's why without much words sometimes. That's why without much noise. That's why those who have gotten much of the word of God, you may not see them noisy. 
And yet, situations around you, challenges, oppositions, difficulties, they do what? They bow. By reason of what is in you, the word by he whom you have allowed. That's the reason why we go to the scripture. And think these are sufficient enough to give us the reason why we need to do our personal Bible study. We just let a few of the skills out and then we can pray for today. I think we have created sufficient enough reason why you will no longer just think it is just for the kids. Buy them a Bible. I'm too busy. I'm very, very busy. I don't have time. Uh, Martin Luther said, the day I'm very busy, that is the day I pray more. So if I take more time to pray, then I take less time to realize my mission. They ask Winston Churchill. Many of us may hear and know of Winston Churchill as a historical figure. But Winston Churchill was like a hero, the Prime Minister of Great Britain during the Second World War. And Britain was nearly overrun by Japan and Russia, as it were, particularly Japan. Russia allied with them eventually. And they had already bombed them, come to their own territory and bombed them. It was all for the finishing. All it took was the oratory. Every day, Winston Churchill will have something to speak to the soldiers, speak to the nation, to raise up their morale. Raise up their sagging morale. With seemingly inferior armory. America hadn't joined forces with Britain by then. Britain persevered. Until they, with their allies, had the victory. After he ceased being the prime minister, they asked him, How were you able to inspire the whole nation? How were you able to drive everybody from hopelessness to where they believe they can die for this cause rather than being defeated? And the speeches are not usually long. Five minutes, ten minutes. What was the secret? And he said, the shorter the speech I have to make, the longer the time I have to prepare it in order for it to make maximum impact. If I have a five-minute speech to give, I spend hours to prepare. So that every one of those minutes of the speech will make a maximum impact. As a man in the warfare of life. And we are simply saying, and God is saying, that for you to have situations bar around you and live by every word of God, the more you spend time here and draw your weaponry, draw your armory, draw what it takes you to be able to get going, the more you will come out in your daily living stronger and seemingly invincible. Uncalled, not bowed by whatever you meet. May that be our desire in the name of Jesus. So in personal Bible study, what we do is we just look at five S. Five S. One, the spirit is at the center, as you well would have known. The spirit is at the center of each of them. Whether it is systematic, can we say what the five S are? Starting from the spirit, system, systematic, 
clockwise study, followed by scale and service. For each of these, the spirit is at the center, because the goal is the hearts, the lives. Change, and not the head, not facts. The goal is to impact, to affect you, to change you, and to produce a result. So the spirit of God and your spirit are the center. And then it has to be a systematic study. And then it's really a study, not a tumbon tumbon. It's a study, not just a jump in or a jump out. And then there are a few skills that can enhance that study. And the reason why you are studying is that as God impacts your life, you will serve him better and serve humanity better. And may the Lord achieve that with us in Jesus' name. So in the spirit, we have already said what you are looking for matters a lot. That's why we spend time in the introduction to just point at it. What are you looking for? Are you just looking for knowledge? You can get knowledge in many of your books, professional books. You can get them. Knowledge abounds now. You can get knowledge on the internet. So it's beyond knowledge. Are you just looking for information so that you can discuss? You appear intelligent enough when you are discussing with others. Are you just looking for facts so you can argue with them and then defeat a Jehovah Witness when it comes your way and then show why at least you have some scriptures memorized beyond them. But far and above that, look for an experience. Look for what? An encounter. Look for an experience. That each time you are coming to this unique world, it's not just a book. It's not just a house. I want an encounter. Nobody is going to meet the governor without having some spirit of expectancy. You don't go to meet the principal of your school without your heart missing who knows what he wants to tell us. Is it about our school fees? What will he say now? You don't go meeting the boss in your office, especially when he has said, I want to see you, without being open to see what he's going to bring across. How much more he who holds all things by the word of his power. So expect an encounter. Have a yearning desire. And that leads you to the prayer. Usually, that's why the psalmist made that prayer. In Psalm 119 verse 18. Open down my eyes, O Lord, that I may do what? See, behold, experience the wondrous things out of your law. The psalmist was not praying because he was blind. That's not one of the accounts we had about David. Was he ever said to be physically blind? No. He was saying, I can see letters here. But open the mind, the eyes of my inner man, of my spirit. When Paul was writing to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18, 19, he says, I thank God Almighty who has brought you into the fold as Christians. My prayer also is that the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your inner man, not just the physical eyes, as you are looking at letters, that the eyes of your spirits will be opened and expectant, that it will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. 
Revelation is a unique message, a unique appearance, a unique word God gives you that changes the situation. He says, that's what I'm praying for. And that's what Paul prayed for. That's what David prayed for. That's what you and I should pray for as you encounter the world. That's the attitude. That's the attitude. It's not just for fact. It's not just have you had a quiet time and we say it's beyond just the group quiet time. It's the one you've made up. I want to know more about how God wants me to live, about how I can be more like Him, about how I can reflect Him, about guidance in life. And as you go with that, you are going with the mind of Second Timothy 3.16. We'll meet it again. All scripture is inspired of God and is profitable. All scripture, wherever you are getting to, there is a nugget, there is a message, there is a need that God can use that passage to meet in your life. All scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for reproof, for doctrine, teaching, making you know more about God and the kingdom of God. It's also profitable for instruction in righteousness, how your life can be free from the pitfalls that affect people wherever you are, profession and daily living. But the man of God, are you not the man of God now? Are you the man of the devil? That's what you are. The moment the Spirit of God comes upon you, you are the man of God. You are the son of God. You are the daughter of God. And if we are to really make it plain, your surname, your real surname is who? Onyebukachi, God. Mansu, God. Why are you answering your surname, Izumike? Because you are given birth to physically by Izumike. You adopted the surname. Is that not so? When you are born a second time, spiritually, who is your father now? So in the spirit, your father is who? God. That's the point we are making when we are talking about who you are. Giving an answer to every man. They already know what you are supposed to have. But if you don't have a veritable proof, you will succumb. But when you know who you are, God is my father. That's his son name. In other words, we want to put it the way they will do in Hebrew. They say, Samuel ben Elohim. Nonsu ben Elohim. Nonsu, son of God. And that's how it went in the scripture. That's how they describe them. So, if that comes clear upon us, say that the man of God, you, will be equipped for every, every, every work that you do that is good. Let that appetite come up. And say, God, I want to derive real change, impact from your word. So, you are open. You are not going to the scripture with a made up mind. This is what this passage already means. Many of us have had that attitude before now. And so you read and you come out, no change. But have you also had a sample of going to a passage you have read over and over and gone again and gotten a new meaning from there? Have you had it sometimes? That's when you were open. The same message, the same passage, the same verse. But at each point, giving you a meaning according to your need. And you hear somebody preach on that same passage and you say, I just read it this morning. I didn't understand it this way. Because there's another angle that God is bringing it. 
And maybe somebody more open than you has received of that. So you are open. He just uses the scripture like we knew, we read in the midweek, that my words are like messengers. Where I will not physically be now. Isaiah 55, 11. I send my word to fulfill the purpose. To meet the need. So if you are open, the world will open up and meet the need. And you will be out better. And my word will come back to me. Mission accomplished. May that happen with you and with myself in Jesus name. And you are going with that same open spirit. Knowing that you are asking God to impact your life, to change in your life, and make a veritable impact. And you are praying in, in, and you are praying it out. Praying in God. Make a change. Let me have an encounter with you. And you are praying out and asking Him, use me for instrument, and use this to impact my life. And they are going with the attitude of Isaiah 66 verses 1 and 2. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? Where is the place of my rest? For all those things has my hand made, and all those things have been, says the Lord. But to this man will I look, to this woman will I pay attention. This is the person who will catch my attention anytime. Many people may be reading, many people may be singing, many people may be praying, but this is the person who will catch my attention. And what was the qualification? To him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word, is ready to just be undone by my word. He's ready to align his life according to my word. He's ready to just say, because this is from your word, I believe it. I am healed. I take it from you. It is done. This is the person who will have the result. And I pray that that happens with you and I in the name of Jesus Christ. We say their personal Bible study will be systematic. In other words, it's planned. You get a place in your house. Some people, if they own their offices, if it's not just a public place, maybe you are in private employment, you can't find a place in your office. The only thing is that sometimes, especially if you stay late in the night, it can be a place of temptation too, but we don't expect that that is the case. Perhaps if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer with a chamber, if you're a businessman or a corporate organization with your own office, Ideally, you know how your schedule is, but get a place, most times in your house, sometimes in your office, that is quiet, that is not too accessible, conducive enough, not where the horns will be blurring every second, not where the doors will be banging all the time, perhaps not where the children will be running in and out and say, Daddy, see, Mommy, see. So, you get a place, it means you are planned. It wasn't just something you want to do. Even if you are in a flat, there may be some time of the day or night when the children are quieter, the environment is quieter, conducive. That's the point. You look at your own body clock and see where I want to meet with the master. 
I'm reading and studying the scripture. We are not just talking about reading. You can read the scripture as you are moving in a bus, traveling in the airplane, as you are waiting for somebody you are reading. But we are talking about you want to now study so that the impact from the scripture can remain and produce results in you, myself. Be deliberate. A place that is accessible. And as you do so, systematic means also that time is not just anyhow. It's not all dabata. Like those who go to Akwara Square. A good number of them are very conscious, systematic. They plan it. But there are others who just say, Ah, I haven't done my exercise for one month now. And then one Saturday morning, they jump everything into the car. And they go there. For three hours, they really sweat it out. A number of times, I won't tell you the meekness that go into it. If their aim was to lose weight, they would lose weight rapidly for three hours of vigorous exercise. But they will likely gain that weight by the end of that day. Because they will be so hungry, because they have done an unaccustomed exercise, that the amount of food they will eat will likely be double or triple what they usually eat. So they balance out. They haven't really achieved it. We're talking about systematic. Systematic. Planning a place. Planning in time. Regular. Deliberate. You really should. This is important to me. I want to make something out of it. Unconsciously, you create time. You can beat a bit every day till you finish that series of study. If you are somebody who wakes early, a number of people complain that I wake up at four and I'm not able to sleep again. And then you find out, yes, and when do you go to bed? They say, I go to bed by nine, ten. And you say, oh, an average adult sleeps for five to six hours. So if you go to bed by nine and by four you're awake, you have paid your dues. If you don't have sleep coming again, then you don't have anybody to blame. Your body has done its work. But the only thing is that if they wake by 4 o'clock, the, it's still dark. So your body clock is still telling you I should be lying down, not going around. So if you are of that kind, fine. That can be your own time. There are those who sleep late when everywhere is quiet and still. Somebody I met yesterday, when he says my office time, because he's personally employed, he employs others. It's 11, 12. And he says, when I was asking him, don't you go and rest? It was late. And he said, I usually sleep late. So that's his own habit. So it can be at that moment, you put your time. Whichever time that is best to you. For students, we usually talk about knowing what time of the day you read to understand most. And when we are in school, we know of those who will make noise throughout the day in the hostel. Usually architecture students. You say, do these people ever read? Huh? Are they just naturally intelligent? But at night when you are at bed, they are able to keep awake all through the night. And in the morning when you are waking up from sleep and cleaning your eyes, they are showing you the design they have produced and you marvel. So there may be people that are, look at the time of the day or night when you are most active, when you can give it. Show that is something you really prepare to meet, to have an appointment with him because you want to know. Or you can decide to say, usually Thursdays are my light days, are my off days, are days I don't have fellowship activities. 
And that's part of why we don't fill up the weeks, the days of the week with activities. It's not the right practice to say every day, let there be something happening in the church so that you don't go to another church. That's a method for some, but that's not the right thing to do. So find a day in the week when you close early, when you don't have an evening schedule or something like that, or you don't have to be where you ought to be too early, then make some hours on a consistent basis on that particular day available because you want to have a pre-planned program. And as you do that, determine the type of study you want to do. We'll end at this point and the point that you need to first do is to make up your mind now and tell yourself what God is asking you to do. And that is, do you have a consistent time? Do you have a made-up place where you can study? I didn't say read. Read. And this time it's not the reading of the Bible in your phone. No. We're talking of study and you'll see the other one. That's the exercise just after now. Do you have consistent time? Have you made out a place? If you have not, between now and next Sunday, search out a place in your house, in your office, nearby, on a regular basis, quiet, conducive, you can study and have an encounter with the Spirit of God behind the world. With an expectancy, God meets me at my point of need. And let your word effect result in my life in the name of Jesus Christ. Shall we bow our heads to pray? What have you been taking the word of God for all along? The word of man, something that you can stumble upon at any time, or something that you just do to fulfill our righteousness. Is God challenging you? about areas of your life where if you have lived more in accordance with the world, a change would have resulted. Growth would have been faster. Good success will be there. Every area of your life, really. Where do you have problems in your life? Where are there challenges now? There is a word of God for those areas that meet them. Will you want to tell God, I will dig deeper into your word. I will study. You want to be the pillar. You are the pillar of my life. And you uphold all things. The pillar with which you hold all things in my life. You uphold all things by the word of your power. Lord, I want to anchor in you. And I want the change that your word produces. I want a life that has power and authority by reason of the world that is in me. I want a life that grows and shows maturity and understanding. Because the world has been sufficiently hidden in my life. I want a lifestyle, God, that lives right. Not because there are regulations guiding me. But because I have hid your world in my heart. And sin has no place to encroach upon. Tell the Lord, that's my desire. That's my attitude. Give me grace to be able, Lord, to come up to you. The most important thing I need to make my way prosperous. I want to get your word. Job said, 
your word was found, and I chew it. That's Jeremiah. And I chewed it. Job said, I esteem your word more than my necessary food. In other words, I need physical food to live. But I need your word and I esteem it more than physical living because that covers every other area of my life. Can you tell God that? Lord already began to change me by reason of your word that have met me. By reason of your word that has encountered me. And where is that area of struggle? Lord, I want to find your word that puts a stop to this area of struggle. I'm so empty. I don't have an answer. I don't have a boldness in you. And it says, when the Spirit of God filled them, they spoke the word of God with all boldness. They marveled at the boldness of Peter and John and said, which school have they gone to? They took time to sit at the master's feet and learn of him and hear his word. Ask him, Father, this is my desire. This is my desire. I don't just want to wake with the day and sleep with the night for. I want each day to believe purposefully to fulfill the reason why you kept me alive. Do it to God. Have the desire to meet with you and let your word open up. And let the spirit and the frequency behind your word also be caught by my own spirit. I will dig a little deeper, Jesus' life must be sweeter. I will dig a little deeper, deeper, yeah. I will dig a little deeper, Jesus' life must be sweeter. I will dig a little deeper, deeper, yes. Our Father in heaven, we pray that the entrance of your word will bring light to us in the name of Jesus. We bring life to us in the name of Jesus. We bring good success in the name of Jesus. We bring godliness and righteousness in the name of Jesus. We bring a mastery of our environment and situations. And will give us the mind of Christ. And make us, Lord, have situations bow. Because your word has come in with authority and direction in our lives. In the name of Jesus. And every line that is still full of needs, full of confusion, full of fear, full of uncertainty. The thing that happens in the land of Egypt. And that which happens around people who do not know you. But there are hearts here this morning. Who's that? are in fear, uncertain, whose heart are in confusion, whose lives are neither here nor there. And Father, right now, they have come to your presence. We ask that there be a lifting in the name of Jesus Christ. Let there be peace in place of confusion in Jesus' name. Lord, let there be a direction in place of confusion in the name of Jesus. Let there be an assurance and boldness and confidence that with you they can do all things in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, let the fear give rise to faith. Let the fear give rise to I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And may they receive even that burden cleared and the need met and the standing in you and a testimony that the Lord has already begun to shine his light into my life and darkness has no way to stay and fear has run in the name of Jesus Christ. Incline our hearts to not only read but to study, to do and to apply your word. 
and to teach it. Let our lives and attitude be impacted of your word. And may we have more real evidence of growth and intimacy with you, knowing your way, and becoming what you want us to be in life every day in the name of Jesus. May the pillar of your word in our lives burn more brightly and brightly unto the perfect day. And may we have joy in so doing. Let your word go ahead of us this week and bring diverse solutions in the name of Jesus. Bring victory in the name of Jesus. Bring victory over that temptation that had flooded us before again and again in the name of Jesus. And bring victory over situations that have put us in fear. And bring victory over the forces of life. And give us boldness to stand and walk as your image. In Jesus' name we pray. Put your hands together for Jesus.